Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Honestly Speaking Podcast with Jim, Farb, and Eddie. We're back. We got a lot to cover. We're talking about the coronavirus, its impact on the election, the Electoral College, and what we're all watching on TV to pass the time. We've missed you. So kick your feet up and relax. We're back. Uh, it's March 31st, and we've, we've got Ed March back, Madness. although he's quarantined in Boston. Um, we thought we were going to be back weeks ago. We did a little emergency pod um, after Super Tuesday, uh, Jim and I, and shit, a lot has changed. <laughs> Man, like, no, uh, we're, we're like in a Black Mirror universe. The emergency pod was just all about, it was all about Super Tuesday, right? Yeah, yeah, that feels so trivial now. We haven't even talked politics in weeks. I feel like. Yeah, no. Yeah. Did you all even mention Corona during that pod? Nah, I don't think so. Not at all. The the Rona wasn't ready yet. (laughs) It was still on its way. It was still. It was still a hoax. It was still Mm -hmm. a distant, distant hoax. So I mean, Um, we're like. Let's let's for a second talk a little politics. Uh, is your boy Bernie dropping out, or at this point does he think that Joe might get the Rona and he's in it to win it? Listen, man, it seems as it seems to me as if Joe can be out the door any day. So if I'm Bernie, I'm staying to I'm staying in that thing until all the way for several reasons. One is I don't think Biden is healthy. Two, most importantly. I think the longer Bernie stays in there, the more he pushes Biden to become um, to adapt some of his 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 uh, his platforms. And I think that uh, right now, that's probably perhaps the main goal. But I actually have something that I've been thinking about. I think may happen at the convention. I think that the mid-throw are you on the Cuomo train? The sta- made throw your boy Joe off the stage and put Cuomo up there, man. I mean, stranger things have happened, Bob's. Who knows? It's it's. I, I don't believe, it, but I will say, you know, the, <laughs> the, the 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 plus sixty voting crowd, um, and this is coming from very limited uh, research. This is research from <laughs> my <laughs> parents and other parents I've been hearing about. They are tuning into every single Cuomo live interview and loving it. Oh, uh, I know. Yeah, and yeah, they're feeling great. Really by makes it. them feel good. I know. He makes them feel good and. You know he he is pretty damn good at what he does. I, I know no, he is. You know he, he is. I mean that he he he's in the past people couldn't stand him because he was too intense, um, but in this instance he seems to be bringing it. Well, I mean you know Cuomo. I've always said this about Cuomo: if there's ever a person who's been a lifetime politician, Cuomo is that person. Um, because his father was the governor, so he's been around politics literally his entire life. Huh? His his pops was a three term governor, and he's probably exactly. a three term governor. Yeah. Yep. So you know he's he understands that world, the world of politics, better than a lot of people. I mean, I've I've seen that guy at work. Um, yeah. I mean, it's I actually thought he was going to jump in the race like a few months ago. 
I was surprised. Everybody kept thinking he was going to run. He never did. That was really actually interesting. Well, maybe he maybe he just did some polling or something just to see to see Probably. where he was at, right? Some early polling, spread yeah. some rumors, see 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 the reaction, so he can get into it in uh, twenty twenty four. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. New York politicians in the last sixty years, they don't do so well um, nationally. So I think perhaps per, I thought about your boy Donnie. Who? Right. True. Oh, oh yeah. Of course. <laughs> I mean, but. But you know, his his case is very unique, right? Like, you mean you know New York? You mean New York politicians don't do well with the Democratic Party? Is that what you mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. But right. Donnie was, you know, he came he came in a, another way. Yeah. Because what happens of... is usually to to win the to win the, the the candidacy as a Democrat or to to have a shot in a general election, you have to be moderate. Damn, you have to be like one of those Southern Democrats, which means yeah. that in New York you would be considered conservative in some ways. Um, but New York as a state is made up well for that because when you're outside of these three boroughs, I said three, you know, five, you know, four of them, Staten Island uh, is out of it, it's very conservative. When you're outside of the four boroughs, New York is a very conservative state. And so as a, oh, as a, as a sure. governor, you have to learn how to deal with that because you're probably most likely going to have uh, a fractured um, assembly or, or, or I Senate. Mean, Basically, that's America, though. The second you're out of outside of a big city, and the thing is, most of New York State, outside of like the New York City suburbs, is rural, and that's that's kind of just indicative of any state anywhere in the country. The second you get more country, less density, you're you're pure red. I mean, I was just in the Catskills. You see, I saw like Confederate flags. I was like, you're not even in the South here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not in the Catskills, man. And your boy yeah. hanging out with conservative soldiers in the Catskills. I do want to hear more about that. But to your point, Word. Jim, about um, the uh, uh, Democratic candidate coming out of the city or coming out of boroughs having a strong following, even if they don't have it outside of three or four boroughs, it doesn't really matter. Because in in a no, in are you talking about for for general or for 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 a primary? I'm thinking more general. So in the general, I mean, it doesn't matter because the Electoral College, right? As long as you... Oh, yeah, that's true. As long as you win, what, 51%, um, all the electoral votes go to you. Even it does, yeah. So it's not distributed by, you know, sort of popular vote in the state. Right. If, if you win a little bit, you get all of the all of the electoral votes that represent the entire population. So you just win so, and, and automatically. Speaking, speaking of... Can you briefly explain the electoral college to some to some of the listeners? What's why why would Hillary lose even if she has um, the popular vote? And 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 also, can you speak to its its racist foundation? No, well, you know you can't you can't divorce it from its racist foundations. I mean, electoral college was. I mean, it started with the after the American Revolution and the Constitutional Convention, and, the, and they were trying to construct for the first time represent, representational government and democracy for the first time. Um, so, you know, if they had just done, hey, let's just do a popular vote, like a straight up democracy, a pure democracy where everybody can vote for whoever is running for elected office. Um, you know, the, the sort of Northern, the Northern, uh, 
region of northern states would have won elections over and over again. The South would have had no chance because it's oh, a huge... Oh, right, right. Huge, that makes sense. Like, for yeah. example, when you look at New York and California, those two states alone have 50 million people. Right, yeah. Right. So the reason... So it's, it's not just pure population. It's population of a certain persons. So in the South, you have these huge, huge numerical imbalances where there are counties in the South where 80, 90% of the people were enslaved. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, in South Carolina, um, you know, in other states in the South, um, there was just a, a, a complete imbalance in where people who could vote, right, white men would have been outvoted in a popular vote every single time. Mm-hmm. So, so they yep. had to they had to build more foundational. Um, you Blockade, know, I would sla- say. It sounds yeah, to me. Sl- slave powers, powers into the Constitution. So how do you how do you sort of balance a, a numer- numerical imbalance like that, like the three-fifths compromise, right? Persons, free persons, yep. and other yep. persons, which meant mm-hmm. slaves and indentured servants. So yep. you, so with that, they created the, the House of Representatives and the Electoral College, which is based on the population of the, uh, the states. So then three-fifths of uh, slaves would be counted towards um, representation in the House, and electoral votes and electoral college. So that, that sort of offset the uh, population imbalance in the South and gave them more power to be able to yeah. vote um, for things in Congress and also yeah. vote for the, for, the, for, the, for the national president. You know, this is yeah, the reason and, Jefferson and, won. He right, won and that applies to so many other things, by the way. So for example, right now, New York got $112 billion for this coronavirus and Idaho, I think, got like, I'm quoting the numbers, maybe like 90 billions or something like that. So when you look at New York's population, if you look at Idaho, it's it's like it doesn't even make sense. There's barely yeah. a million people there. So the governor's like, you know, they literally got more money than us. For every sick patient, they get 150,000. For every sick patient, we get 112. Um, and that power that you're referring to also plays out when it comes to passing stimulus packages and getting money to states. So right. some of the smaller states get a lot more money disproportionately than big states like California yeah. and New York, especially if the president is um is beefing with those states also. So it's really, really um interesting yeah. in terms of how they're still working against these states. And you can't capture the so just just to be able to tally up the 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 uh, the population of voters in the South. And, and be able to get to, oh, this is how many people in the house, this is how many electoral votes. You need the census. That's, that's the advent of the census, right? Everybody, it's the 2020 census and everybody, it's mm, important for, right. you know, such a big deal. representation and, and like yeah. you said, sort of deploying resources and stuff. Um, mm. The census, that's why this is, the census is, is delineated by race and ethnicity right. and chopped up over time. But the, the, the reason it was, um, they needed to, to uh, delineate the census by race in order to is order to get the slave states more representation through their three fifths, you know, complement to their to their population in order to get more people in the house and more electoral right. votes. So it's a whole. Go ahead. What's uh, thing, really know. quickly? What's so? Why should everyone be doing the census now? Um, I mean, you know, ever since after the the, the Civil War and and the three fifths compromise, which is still on the books in the Constitution, which was rendered you know useless now. Three fifths became five fifths after the Civil War, and and um, now that data is used differently, right? Even though, ironically, initially it was used for harm, it can now 
reversely be used for good to some extent. Um, they use the census a lot for, um, you know, affirmative action or sort of civil rights reform, those kinds of things. So in order for people voter to- suppression. Get, oh, voter suppression, true, yeah. So it's a, it's a push yeah. and pull of the thing. But in terms of allocation of resources, um, every person that in, in, your, in your state or in your county or in your city, um, every person that's counted in the census plays into how much um, aid you get or resources you get from the federal yep. government. Yep. But that's how it's that's supposed exactly to be. Right. So, so literally right. that money, that money we just got from this bill where we didn't get it yet, the money we're going to get, a big part of that, the allocation of that money is based on using the census also, right? Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, so here's you know, how many people New York has and yeah. Yeah. So with the census, they wouldn't be able to calculate how much, oh, how much money should we be given? How much, you know, how much money do we need to put aside in order to get everybody who you know, hits a certain income bracket to get them twelve hundred dollars. You know, can't really right. do that without the census, right? Yeah. So you it's know. safe to say, though, with this this current census, it's going to be a little fucked because, you know, it's it's the same thing we're seeing with education in New York City, right? Like, uh, they're trying to make uh, the school systems are trying to do remote learning all online, but a lot of kids don't have access to the internet. So who are those kids? Predominantly black and brown. So right now, if people are going to have to do the census in different ways, who's going to suffer from not being <laughs> represented or signing right, up yeah. for it? And, and we already yeah. kind of know where that's going to lean, um, sure. which obviously yeah. is, is not necessarily anyone's direct fault. Like this is, I mean, it is <clears throat> systemically, but you know, you can't, I don't think anyone was super prepared for a pandemic. Um, well, but even before that, I, for such a rich city, we could have ensured that kids have access to computers and, and the internet. Um, so, so, Jim, let's lean into that for a second, because I was, um, you know, like there's no reason. For example, there's no reason why there's 155,000. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, really quickly, right, cause I know you're going. I know where you're going with this. So, uh, I was talking to someone yesterday, and they were like, "It's crazy that in like two to three weeks, the richest nation in the world." was totally exposed <laughs> for all the systemic things that are wrong with it. And yeah, I, I, why don't you agree with that? I know I, I agree with that, except that I think that um, the nation has been exposed for, for like ever. It wasn't the last two weeks that exposed it, but yes, yeah, certainly. Well, one, once again, you've always seen it acutely because right. the, like people at the bottom see course, it every single right. day, right? And this true. is what we got to go back and forth with. But if you're in, in some other areas of the percentage of the population, you don't necessarily see that. And externally, if you're that not is from true. America, you just see America like putting out the biggest movies, the biggest TV shows, the biggest yep. like tech companies. Um, so you see this other side of it, right? Uh, and I think as a whole, you know, we knew, like I guess us, you know, people around us have known that systemically we've been weak for a while. But to see everything break so fast, uh, I think has been a shocker for everyone. And so I know there's some people that are like, you know, people are hurting right now, but it would almost be a shame if things got back to normal in a week and everyone thought we were all good, as opposed to maybe it going worse for another, you know, two, three, four months, but on the flip, having real systemic change obviously that's kind of a, a, a dark take because that means a lot more people are dying if you're going to that but what's your kind of thought on that statement yeah i mean it's real right every indicator is saying that 
once this is all done, we're going back to where we started. Um, I, you know, there's two gyms. There's the optimism, optimistic gym, sort of like naive and hope the world was a certain way. And then there's the one where that sees the world as it is. And what's the percentage break to, of those two gyms? Ooh. Or, yeah, what's what's the pie breakdown? Well, I think it's 50-50 <laughs> only because I need to live. 50-50? So the optimism, yeah, I kind of need the optimism. Right? If not, I'm, I'm going to, you know, you'll see me on the news one day. And so I, I, I need that to help dilute the other gym. Um, yeah, it's hard. Um, I, but the real gym says that ain't shit going to change. <laughs> we're still going to be who we are. We, you know, we're still going to spend the same amount of money we spent on shenanigans and There'll still be 150,000 homeless students in New York City uh, next year. Um, our healthcare system will still not be ready to deal with this next time it comes around. I mean, if we need indicators to see where we're going to go after this, we just got it. We got it from the stimulus package. Um, we got it from our current administration. Um, we get it by listening to Lindsey Graham on Fox News. So I wish that sort of like your optimism fob about perhaps new people seeing this and maybe will change uh, would be true, but I would argue against that. Um, I, I think that Americans in particular have a very convenient memory. Um, I mean, that's, you think they'll have that memory if over 100,000 people die? Oh, 100, yeah, 100%. I believe that. So I like, there's that. no amount of like people, like Americans dying that you think that would, that they'll feel that would change. No, 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 no. I, I think capitalism is just too strong here. I mean, Fab, you're literally seeing a governor saying, why not let some people die and open back the economy? Like, in the middle of the stuff, you have major politicians pretty much saying that, let's open back the economy and let those old people die. Like, Abbott, Governor Abbott literally said that. So, I don't know why we would think that things would be that much different after this. I, I, I don't think so. I mean, at a, at a certain point, I, I think what's tough is if we had done proper testing where we could have actually understood, you know, the, the buckets of where people were sick, you could have actually felt better about opening things up faster and taking some small risks. Because at a certain point in time, the economy is going to get massively fucked. And that is millions of jobs. So there... I, I would be, I think, more pro that take if we actually had a better sense of who actually had things. Because at a I certain agree. point in time, you, you kind of have to take that risk a little bit um, yep. because we could be in like a five to 10 year free-for-all, right? Um, yep. But because we don't do the testing, it's like, well, we can't really do that right now because yeah, we don't, because we're, we don't we're even totally know the problem. Blind. Yep. We don't know the magnitude um, of the problem, right? We don't have the denominator. Um, it's really hard to plan anything when you don't know how many people are actually sick because yeah. every other number goes off of that right yeah totally. so yeah you know. how, how are you guys how are you guys feeling in general jim how are you feeling in brooklyn you're you know you're, i you know what's crazy i i i'm not you know obviously this is gonna hit me and it has and in a lot of ways like you know i lost money and um do you know anyone you know, a lot of things yeah, my friend Keith, who's young, great guy, he's an attorney. He was in the hospital. He had it. Um, my friend Beth had it. Sarjean had it. I've actually you know at least eight people who've had it personally. Mm. Um, 
and I also have some friends working as nurses and doctors and my brother's a nurse. He's actually out testing people. He told me, he called me and said, yeah, I'm testing rich people in Rochester. He goes to the house to test them. Um, <laughs> which, you know, right now they're the only one being tested anyway. So, um, I, you know, I, I feel okay about things because, um, I don't know, man, I've, some of the things that I see, like, the, the level of fear and urgency and, um, and panic that I'm seeing now, I grew up with that, you know, like we never had enough. We, ne- we were always pressured. We always, I was always afraid of something. So. You're conditioned different. Yeah, I'm conditioned different. And, and I try to be very sensitive right now when I talk to people because I can sound as if I'm like, eh, I don't care, um, which is not the case. It's just that I, I, I've just seen a lot of stuff, and so I'm like, I think, okay, so what? We just yeah, I've heard that. I mean, it I makes sense. That, like, I heard yeah. that sentiment before from from people about, oh, you know, it's your world shaking. Like, welcome, welcome to my world, or welcome to our <laughs> world, kind of thing. Like, I think you know, this is obviously very distinct, different. You know, right. it's different. If you want to, if you want to talk about, I think was I think was universal about it though is to feel your, to feel fear from like a precarious situation like that's right. new for a lot of people that you this can't do anything about <clears throat> exactly yeah i think the people that are suffering the most are like control freaks this is the this is the epitome of not having control so i mean if, right. you've, if you've had any you know uh, uh you know conception of, of having control of your life and this is this yep. is sort of turn it on its head i think that's the fear yep. for a lot of people that um get a lot of their comfort from from uh, a sense of control this is like the ultimate uncontrollable thing and you know you're helpless and maybe business is hurting to some certain degree of whatever the thing is. And you're worried about your family. You're not really understanding the nature of this, this virus, even though we're learning more every day, you don't, you don't, you don't know where it's going to peak or it's going to fall. You don't know what, what, um, you know, federal legislation is going to do government, you know, governors are on a different page and the, and the president, everybody seems to be fighting this. And there's still, it's sort of deep in partisanship. Everything's a bit crazy. So I think just, just sort of the, the, the chaos can, can make you feel, Similar to like a person coming from oh oh before the virus was happening we were, we were from precarious neighborhoods so this mm-hmm. this feeling of not having control welcome to our world we've I think, always I think yeah we've always stuff. felt that way we, yep I agree now let me ask you this Ed, you think that that fear precarious fear you're referring to for those individuals who've never felt it before you think that would make them a little bit more sympathetic now or no. No, I don't think so. I don't think it does either. I think you're right. It's all capable of double thinking. You see it all the time. Well, they're going to find a way to come back to themselves. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be, obviously, this is is completely historically unprecedented. That's true. So we're living through something that history's never seen, right? From a global standpoint, from from an American standpoint, um, it's, this is, this is, there's nothing, there's been nothing like this, right? But so, you, so, you know, obviously the uh, historians are called upon to draw parallels. Oh, Spanish flu, 19, uh, what was it? 1921 or 1918. Okay. Right. Right after world war one. Yeah, right? By the okay, way, so. it's called Spanish flu, but the thing started out in Arkansas, just, just to make sure. Kansas. Kansas, you know. Kansas. Yeah. Well, same, yeah. Big difference. Kansas is Arkansas. <laughs> you think Woodrow, you think Woodrow Wilson was trying to pull a, a pull a Trump and, and anyway, pull that's, a another, Trump on us. that's another story. Jim's just going to start calling it the Kansas flu. Yeah. But it's truly really right. un- unprecedented. I think for, for, for what you guys are talking about, like, yo, is this going to change things? I think it depends on what you think, what, what, what exactly you think is, is, is going to, this is going to change what this could do. Is this, is this going to, you know, um, 
And I think about this a lot, right? A lot with the with the, you know, I think I've talked about this on the pod before with the whole interest convergence theory on, on where external forces, you know, shake the world of, of 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 our country and good things can happen out of it because it lessens racism or, or even partisanship, you know. So it I, I still the jury's still out on whether this is gonna do that or if it's going to increase partisanship. But I think what I I don't think that people from the right are going to all of this is going to make them more empathetic to people no, who are, no, I mean, populations who are suffering more right no nah, you're right if, if perhaps if the leader was different but the the actual yeah. leader loves moment like this and and he's you know he, he and his ratings are amatory oh his that, ratings are up, right up. Which, right you know well, and he's well, talking you know. that in those numbers too well you know that's well that's that's pretty historically consistent like uh, wartime presidents' ratings go up. That's pretty universal, right? You know, you know, presidents that are that are at the helm of during, you know, catastrophes, world wars, depressions, that kind of stuff, kind of goes up. People so rally behind the that. flag. That's that's the yeah, yeah. Right, right, you know, right. people people need to to to, to believe in, in something. Or yeah, 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 exactly. I think you what to believe what, in something. You're right, Ed. Yep. Right. I think I think what could happen, not not necessarily that Republicans will all of a sudden you know, see their other other country, yeah, country men and women <laughs> as but I think what, what can happen is that just from a from a de facto standpoint of shaking up um the structure, coronavirus could bring down Trump, right? So then you get right uh, you know a democratic president and then maybe they're able to maybe we're able to get back the Senate and then it's sort of like we're in the executive branch and we're in the two chambers of Congress and then legislation can then pass from there. That's how the change happens now does that is is that a result of moral suasion you know you got the right to then sign up to something or or is it the case that you know trump has just been so exposed i don't know any I, you know I, more exposed than usual and this pandemic did it and, and and this is what's happened to break the trust of trump and 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 soften the voter turnout in oh. in november you know could this could this be the thing to take him down an yeah. external event is usually it no nope. i think it could be nope. Uh, I, I strongly disagree, and I'll say that I hope you're right. I think you you're probably wrong because I watched him sign the the, the stimulus package, and mm-hmm. nothing about him, nothing in him, and the people around him showed me that he sees this as something that's going to hurt him. If anything, he was bragging about this is the biggest check I've ever signed, right? So that money is going to go out. I think and his name is on I all think, the checks, by ex- the way. Exactly. This yeah, dude is going to come from under this as a hero. That's what I think is going to happen. And he's going to blow Joe Biden out the water. I don't, I don't yeah, think I Biden mean, had a chance even before this. I think after this, that's what's going to happen. And I am not taking any more chances with America. You can do that, my friend. I've learned my yeah. lessons. I think, but I think the GOP, the, the, the ability to distort just facts, observable facts, scientific facts is, has but been pretty unparalleled. Them, but uh, here's what I'm saying, here's what I'm saying, the exception of just mass death. You can't really <clears> spin <throat> that. If there's gonna be mm. mass death, that's what takes them down. But, like some things that that's are- That's what I was trying to say. If it's over okay, yeah, 100 right, right. 200,000 deaths, like there's nothing to spin there. That's right, it's not, it's not- That's a lot of people's pain. That's family pain, that's ancillary pain. That's yeah. a lot to overcome. Yeah. This do you, is think, not do you like, think it you matters know, where that happened? For example, if 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 a bulk of that number is from New York, do you think it still has the same impact around the country? I mean, because Wisconsin, Wisconsin, and Ma- Wisconsin and Ohio is going to determine the elections. 
Yeah, I guess I'm just asking, you know, does it matter? Because I, I, I make the same argument for gun yeah. for gun legislation. I remember when those kids were murdered in in Connecticut. I'll never forget that day, man. It was horrible, but I couldn't help but to think that, geez, finally we're probably gonna get some legislation because these are rich white kids. And every time I've been wrong, I literally thought they were gonna do something. Finally, that time, those are little babies. We didn't know much, and they also came from a very wealthy place. That did not work. I don't believe that numbers in terms of death is going to change the conversations and how people vote and view things, even with the virus. I mean, yeah. 50, pe 50 people dying in a news cycle for one to two weeks is much different than 100 to 200,000 people dying in a news cycle of six to eight months. Because this is yeah. this is ninety five percent of the news, if not more, is Corona all day, every day, and it's just more and more people dying, and everyone knows someone who's either dying or going to the hospital seriously, and that's going to keep up. I'm not saying you're wrong, Jim. I am just saying that this is a whole. You can't compare this situation to everything because with these other things, they happen for a week, and then six months later, you've forgotten. There's no way by the time the election comes around that this is going to be totally gone. So we'll have had an entire year of trauma and stress yeah. of this being like a new reality. Like, I mean, I anecdotally know like a few people who've died from this. You know, one person I directly know, some people I know like through friends or, you know, through colleagues. Um, I probably know close to 10 people. That's just me. Um, you know, th that starts becoming real. And if that number then jumps to 100, uh, which isn't out of the question in the next yeah, few I mean, months. That's the thought you think it might. So, right. Uh, so let, it's, let's it's not only just one last thing on that song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to jump the, away from the Rona. Obviously, the, the, you know, the deaths from coronavirus is, is, is a huge thing that's, that's unprecedented and, 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 you know, you can't ignore. But also, the extension of that is, is the economy. That's why Trump is, is, is forcing, trying to force the governor's hand. He's, trying to, he's just trying to hurry people back into um, society to, to ramp up the economy. Because if the economy is destroyed... Um, by the time, you know, he's, he, this is, this is part of his campaign. He's campaigning right now. He's trying to get the economy boosted towards yep. the end of the fall, because if it's in bad shape, he can't, he can't explain that hurts. That hurts his, his, his election. Yeah, he, he also cannot lose with a good economy. I don't think so, man. There's no way he loses. With a right. Good economy. No yeah. Way. So there you go. So it's like, if the, if you don't have the economy, you got all these deaths. I mean, he's, yep. he's, he's kind of unredeemable, even. Yeah, plus he's an you know, asshole, that too. Let's not forget that. But, you know, we know that that's not the thing that's going to drive him out. No, nah, that's yeah. not it. So, <laughs> uh, so what are you guys doing in this life without sports? What's happening? Man, I've actually been working. So a Bible. I've been working on a Bible, not the King James yeah, what Bible. Is, yeah, what is Bible. this? What, this what religion? Is, yeah, so when religion. 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 No, when you, when you like write a, a TV. <laughs> when you yeah. write a TV show, when you're trying to write a TV show, which I'm doing right now. So I don't know if I told you, Ed, I think I told Far. I wrote a story about Mike Tyson's childhood. Um, so now, why is that exciting to me? Um, first of all, I know a lot about Mike Tyson, and I, I, I love him, and I study him a lot. I read a lot about him. I think he's a a fascinating person but the Tyson I like and the Tyson I'm like really interested in 
is not the Tyson most people know. I'm interested in the Tyson that was a kid in the world that shaped and molded him and that conditioned him and his mother, his dad, people we don't know much about. He lost many of those individuals very early on. And the path he took in life from moving to bed working class neighborhood to Brownsville um, in the early 80s and late 70s to then living a life in the streets at a very young age, robbing and hustling and stealing and just trying to get by. His mother being caught up in drugs, his dad, um, the, th- guy, the guy he, th- he thought was his dad wasn't around. Um, I think that there's never been a person who really explored his childhood in the world which he came from for such a iconic, provocative, and interesting figure. Um, most people know about Tyson, but they don't know about his childhood in the world he came from. So I wrote a show based off of that. And the weird thing is that it's very similar to how I grew up, um, his world. And so the Bible is a brief document of like a few pages that you use it to write a pitch for the story, right? So you have a log line, you have a theme, what the story is about. The theme of my story is Tyson's um, evolution as he goes through these different worlds, Bed-Stuy to Brownsville, from Brownsville to the juvenile justice system, from the juvenile justice system to upstate New York, living with Customato, where Customato really changes life as a father figure. So that's the theme of the story. And then you have episodic structures, how each, how do you imagine each episode will go? It's a six-part miniseries. And then you have the characters. Who are the characters? Um, what about them? How will you explore them? What are they connected to? What is the connection to the story? And then um, in addition to characters, you have ideal cast in the place where you would like to shop this thing. So um, that's sort of like what a Bible is. So I've been working on that for the past few weeks since this thing, since the Rona has been, you know, keeping us inside. So yeah, I'm excited where, about that. Where are you getting this information? Like, where? Do, how do you have to do the research? Oh, uh, in terms of Tyson's life. Yeah, is it like, or just, or just in general for the Bible? Uh, no, no, for Tyson's life, is it through just books and then uh, about him, news clips? Yeah, so, like. so I've read, I've read three books about him. I've watched a few documentaries about his life. I've also watched like hours, endless hours of like tapes of him and Customato. Um, just a lot of things about his life. I did like research on his mother's life, which is very hard because that's not that much on her. Um, but really for the the goal, right? Because I, the hook is Tyson. If I said to you, hey, I'm writing a show about Mike Tyson's childhood, I don't get, most people are going to at least listen. Yeah, so what do you want this to be? Do you want this to be a film? Do you want this to be a miniseries? Do you want this to it's be- It's a miniseries. Uh, and it's really, what it's really going to do for him is going to explode like, the like world. Like a doc or do you want it fictionalized? I would say more like a doc because it's based off of his life. So there'll be a lot of things that actually happened to him, but then, you know, we're going to have creative license. So mm-hmm. some things like, for example, if I remove his name, the reason why this story is so cool to me is that if I remove his name, I can put any names of the kids I grew up with, including myself in that story. And it would be the same. And that's the other thing I want to touch on. Um, that era that created men like him, right? Jay-Z's of the world, the Tyson's of the world, the, the big, they, they all come from that same world, but there are thousands of people from that world that did not make it out um, at the height of the crack epidemic. And when New York was the capital murder of the city of the world and 
So all of those things are things I'm going to explore, but through the lens of Mike Tyson as a young man. So anyway, that's sort right. of like what I've been up to. That's the Bible. All right. So you have to keep, you have to keep us posted on it. Ed, what are you doing in Boston? <clears throat> to, to, to pass the time. <clears throat> um, reading, finishing a ton of books that I've had on my, in the queue to finish. And then I'm just watching a ton of television with my folks, usually documentaries with my dad and then daytime, daytime TV with my mom. And then we just watch just a whole. What type of whole, daytime TV are you watching? Yo, HGTV. Golden Talk Girl. Like, yo, no, 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 no. HGTV, the housing. The, the, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. House, right, 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 right. What does that stand for? HGT House Garden Television or something like that. So Love It or List It. Love It or List It is the vibe. You ever heard of that? Nope. Okay, so here's the premise, right? These two, these two professionals, they're like from Canada or something, and they and they they operate out of Ontario, but they also come into North Carolina and the states. And they one woman is a designer, and then one the dude is a real estate agent, and they go to each of these houses and they take on this project and say, "Hey, listen, here's the deal: we're going to fix up your house, and you're going to love it, or we're going to help you find a new one. Love it or list it, right? So th that's like the premise, and then they they compete against each other to, to try and sway the, the, uh, the couple one way or the other. And at the end of the show, it's like they make a decision to do the thing. Mm. So, and mommy got you into that, huh? I always loved a little bit of HDTV. Back on my hungover. <laughs> my, here's, here's where I got into it, y'all. My, my hungover Sundays. This is hilarious, guilty Anthony. pleasure. For real. Like, the, the house, I was in the house hunters. Hungover Sunday mornings at Howard in, in Hampton. You know, I'll just be like dead to the world. I'm like, yo, let me watch something on TV that doesn't require me to think a lot. HDTV is perfect. Watching House Hunters, <laughs> yo. But that's late. That's late. That's like later. The game's usually well, gotcha. you know. But in the mornings, you know, mix it in or whatever. But do you but, watch um, different things with mom that you do with dad? Yeah, that, they're in like a different it. stuff. They're in a different gotcha. stuff. But that so, is more like what? Um, science fiction. He loves science gotcha. fiction, and then he loves and he loves documentaries, and then he loves like classic movies. Turn to classic movies, right? My dad was born in '51, so he's watching movies from like the '60s and how the old 70s. Is he, how old is he now? So he's sixty-eight. So. Uh, sixty-eight. He'll be sixty-nine at the end of the year. And your pops watching uh, Westworld? Yo, you know what we? You know all those Westworld lovers out there that might be listening. I we have been watching it. But like, I think Westworld is kind of trash. I just think I've that never it's, watched it. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because I love Jerry, Jeff, Jeffrey each, Wright. Each each season is trash, or you didn't like season two? Um, I didn't. I, I forced myself to finish season one, and then season two was just kind of like affirmed what I was thinking. Like, I'll tell you what, the the this this the season finale of season one was dope. It was like, oh shit, it's just popping off. But these just long, you know, sort of sort of a, a, a sprawling subplots and then you're in this completely different i get it there you're in the you know the the world with the agents for the it's it's the you know it's the vacation and you can go to this era or the west you can go to you know japan it's just it's just it's just too complicated and fucking boring for me honestly i don't know what do you think uh, well so that i think that's that's different i mean to me if it's too complicated i don't know if that means trash that just means that it, it wasn't written well I think season one was fire. I think season two tried to be way too overcomplicated. I'm curious to see if season three kind of brings it back. 
but right. I like I like sci-fi shit. I like just things that like push the envelope. Oh yeah, I I can't do I like sci-fi. sci-fi too, yeah. I literally right. cannot do. So sci-fi. so what's a good sci-fi show? Like what is, what do you and your pop watching that you think is certifiable? <clears throat> I, need, I need to understand your rating system. <laughs> he said he said I need to understand how the other middle class people live. <laughs> <laughs> Um, my dad loves, my dad is a, is a Trekkie. So he's a Trekkie. He's not, he's not a a Star Wars person. So he, so he loves Picard right now, Amazon video. Right. So I watched that with my dad. I watched Twilight Zone. Obviously Black Mirror is, you know, is a classic undisputed. Everybody loves that. But also like we get the good mix of, of is the, the historical sci-fis, the man, the man in the high castle. With the which yeah, is yeah, the, yeah. the Amazon Video original. Have you heard of this? I saw. It. I mean, right. but so, you that, so that, that I, was, I, it was entertaining, but you thought that was like a great show. <clears throat> I think the writing. I think, was I, think a, the, I think it was like so-so. I just loved the premise more than I actually. Yeah, liked yeah. The writing. I would agree with that. I don't think the writing was like you know amazing. Like it was like you know The Wire or Succession or something like that. But but right. the, I, I liked I liked that more than. Than Westworld. And so, but what I'm really liking right now, what I'm really liking right now, right now, Ozark. Right now, I like uh, Ozarks, but I'm talking about the the plot against. I've America. never seen it. Oh, wow, the plot against America. That. That's good. Dude, no, plot against America. America. It's 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 the counter. John Chitora is in that, right? Yeah, he's good. He's, he's There's good some Nazi stuff going on. Yeah, it's yeah. it's 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 the, the premise is that um, what you know, uh, fighting uh, Nazis forever. I know, right? Everybody, everybody upset. <laughs> we all remember World Jesse War II. just had a Nazi movie came out. <laughs> There's a million World War II documentaries and movies that are like we all, we all. That's the war that made us, right? But I wish we had some more stuff on the Civil War. Anyway, that's that's a different story. But so this this movie, The Plot Against America on HBO, is about how um, <clears throat> what would happen if leading up to World War II. This is like sort of the 1939 and 1940s. It's about a Jewish family in New Jersey. And they're, you know, they're dealing with anti-Semitism matches bubbling up in America the way it's bubbling up in the fascist party in Germany, right? Not, you know, Hitler's coming to rise through the Nazi party. And the idea is, is, is what if, you know, FDR um, uh, lost his third term election and Charles Lindbergh, who was a, who was a pretty known anti-Semite, who was against the war, won, won the presidency and, and all of the things that would flow from that, right? So it's only, oh, shit. so it's, it's, it's a mini series and that's where the twist happens. And it's like, okay. Oh, I need to watch that. You know, it's, it's, What's it's, that it's, on? It's, that's uh, on Amazon or Netflix? It's on HBO. Yeah. Oh, Ed, I got, I got oh, a sci-fi you, show man? for you. Um, I've been watching Dark. It's a German show on Netflix. It was oh, all you right. mentioned this. Well, so yeah. is it? It's, it's entertaining. Like, I have my own, like, opinions but i will say it's very entertaining so definitely check that you guys got to watch some mindless shit so you got to watch tiger king like i started tiger king i think i saw the first episode i saw the first i mean it's total trash but like every character is unlikable but it's what we need right now kind of like you kind of have to sometimes like turn your brain off a little bit i agree Um, i agree for sure um yeah, and then, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm deep in Ozarks. Coming. I finished The Outsider. I love, I love Ozarks. I got to start the season three. Oh, what? I, I haven't seen that season at three all. Is coming Man, in I heavy. watch a lot of TV. I don't watch anything. Yeah, I love TV. Yeah, I'm a, there's, there's, there's really good. I mean, you, you're trying to be basically in TV and film. There's a lot of good no, writers out no, there. I need to watch more stuff. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's, it's homework think, for me. It's just I think I, my attention what, is weird, man. I like certain things. 
Like I need constant violence and shit. I'm, I, it's weird. Oh, I need you can find that, you, know. you can find your lane though. You put me on the dirty money. I saw that Kushner episode. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. Good. Good. Good show. Yeah. Good show. So yeah. I mean, there's just there's yeah. a lot of good stuff out there. Well, good fellas, so let's wrap. I think we we gave the people some some good stuff here. They got some some good TV to watch. So I have to get back to some. They think our opinions are trash, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, true. True. Anyway, well, uh, let's let's get back on this next week and be a little bit more consistent here in, in these new Rona times. Uh, so anyway, we'll so see you Rona. all next week. Yo, the, by the way, the Rona is like, man, the hood is not listening to the Rona. Dude, the hood is wilding with the Rona, man. The hood is like, fuck the Rona. People I know. barbecuing outside, you know, people drinking oh. Coronas. <laughs> yeah. We should, we should next, you know, next week we'll break down the, the, the demographics of the socioeconomic demographics of how Rona is affecting other people and stuff. We should, we should do that. Thanks.